The idea is that I said when we were getting into this to preach on the subject of shine, there must be application to this. I, I'm going to be speaking Wednesday night on uh, James at the end of that chapter, and, and I told them I, I deliberately skipped the end of it because it was uh, something I didn't want to rush through, and uh, it, it convicted me so bad because I think that we've fallen in love with our worship, but we've forgotten our pers- purpose. It's, it's important that we get to the stage in our lives to where we realize the importance of what we do and why we do what we do. And you say, well, we've gathered here together in church. We're in church. We're in church. And a lot of times when we talk about the Christian life, people have this attitude, are you in church? Let me tell you guys, and I've said this over and over again, and and I'm going to keep preaching through this even in November. I I want you guys to get this in your hearts and minds. Last night, everybody was watching the blackout game with uh, the Buckeyes, uh, you know, watching the, the excitement of it. What would you guys think of a team they got on the sidelines and did the huddle, and then when they said, one, two, three, go. You'd be like, that is, that's the worst team ever. And say, so, all right, guys, back to the sidelines. All right, let's gather in the middle. All right, here's the thing. We need to make, we need to run the ball. We need to, you know, push against the, the you know, the, the other team. We need to do all this. All right, one, two, three, go. And then we sit back down. Do you guys realize that that's, I just described the average church? And if we're not careful, I just described us. It, it, it's a matter of, hey, hey, let's stand up. We're powerful is the name of Jesus Christ. When we all get to heaven, hey, there's lost out there. They're going to hell. One, two, three. And we sit down and talk about it. No, we'll sit there and go, oh, they're going to hell. Why are they acting like that? That's not Christians. I, I'm going to talk today about running to the darkness. I don't I want to just say, be a light in the darkness. I'm telling you, there's got to be an urgency where we run to the darkness. Kim, your team would not have gone this weekend unless you went to the prison. Brent, your team would, the last two weeks, two weeks ago, would not have been in the prison unless they went to the prison. You go, well, that's really deep. No, that, that's common sense. Your lost friends won't know Christ unless you get involved in your life friends' lives. Unless you go to them, unless you step into their lives, unless you step in. And, and man, I am way ahead of myself. I am. This past Friday, uh, I was asked to do a funeral. It was, it was not on my schedule or whatever. They called Thursday night. They had uh, something that fell through. And uh, they needed someone that could step in and do the service. Well, I normally take Fridays off. So I, I was painting my house on Friday, trying to beat the, the weather before it gets here. So I am... You know, I get up, I put my work clothes on. I knew that I had to be in the house at a certain time. There's certain things you're not late for, okay? And one of them is preaching a funeral. And uh, so I'm, I'm running and I'm painting and I thought, oh, I got time, so I'm going to do this and that. And then I went over. I, I wasn't late, but I went over my comfort zone of where I needed to be. And let me tell you, I, I, I didn't just stroll in the house. I didn't just, I was like, got to go, got to go. Got to take a shower, got to change, got to scrub the paint off. I got to go, you know what I'm saying? There was... I, I treated life differently when I understood the urgency of, I will not be late. I'll tell you, skip the deodorant, deodorant, doesn't matter. You know, just do, do whatever you have to do to get there on time. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you've skipped the deodorant this morning to get here. We can smell you, just so you know. 
John chapter 9. Look at John chapter 9 with me. And this is going to be our launch. It's going to be our launch. Jesus had a priority in his life. John chapter 9, I'm going to talk about running to the darkness. John chapter 9, verse 4, he says, I must work the works of him that sent me. I must. I have to. I must do the work of him that sent me while it is day. Do you know what that was explaining a sense of urgency? Have you guys ever tried to get something done? And I've been doing this. I've been, like I said, I've been painting my house on my day off and in the evenings and things like that. And did you know that 7 o'clock comes a whole lot sooner than 9 o'clock? And I I am sitting there thinking, oh man, it must be so late. It wasn't late. It just got dark really fast. And during this time change or whatever, and Jesus is sitting there saying, hey boys, we, we better, hey, let's go to the next city. Let's find these other people. Let's, let's go over here. Why? Hey, hey, listen, that sun's going to drop. It's going to get really dark around here. And then we can't do the work anymore. Time is ticking. I must do the works of my Father. The night cometh with no man can work. Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. You say, Jesus isn't here in the world anymore. Let me tell you this. When Jesus was leaving, he looked at the disciples and he said, you are now the light of the world. Is Jesus still in the world today? Yep, I'm looking at him right now. I'm looking at Jesus right now. That's why we're called Christians. That's why we're Christ-like His, his, the must was to seek and to save that which is lost. The word seek was to endeavor, to be about, to pursue. As he was pursuing, I, I came across a verse in Proverbs 5 or 15, 11. You don't have to turn there. Let me read this to you. It says this just at the first part of this. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. What was on his mind? What was on his mind all, all the time? Guys, let's go, let's go, let's go. Lord, we, 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 we've got this going on. Can we not just say, guys, let's go, come on. Let me tell you, I can, I can, hear, I, I can hear the screams of those in hell. And I, I, I know the torments and I know what's coming. I, I tell you what, there's a man sick of, sick of whatever. And just like, Lord, why do we have to be? Because I don't know when, when he's going to go. Well, he did know, but we don't know. I must go, must go, must go. Hell and destruction before the Lord. See, the Lord understood eternity. He understood the flames. He understood the torments. Have you ever thought that God hears the screams of the people that cry out from hell? God hears that teenager that thought he had forever, but he died it. God hears that man that sat in church every week, but thought, man, one day, John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me the night is coming he said the same wording when he was in john chapter 4 when he was talking about the woman at the well i must needs go through samaria i guys i have to go there is a woman there and i i need to be there i want to be there i want to 
intercept her. Jesus was speaking again, just so you guys know, Jesus mentioned how 49 times, 49 times, 18 of them that he mentioned was on the flames of hell. In Matthew 8, verse 12, and I'm going I'm to be reading through these because I'm going to tell you what was on the heart and mind of Jesus. You know why he ran to the darkness? I can tell you what was on his mind. In Matthew 8, verse 12, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out. Now listen to this. We're talking about being light. I'm going to show you the opposite of light today. Into outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me tell you guys for the record. That right there is as real as you can get. Hell is real. Hell is not just a curse word that's used today. Hell is not just something that we talk about jokingly in movies. It's not just something that we throw around because we're joking. Hell is real. I I tell you, as my brothers and sisters in Christ, and you say it's an an avoided subject. Yes, very much so. Because people today have the idea, if pastors get up and preach on hell, nobody wants to sit there and come back to that. It is uncomfortable. It is confrontational. It is convicting. We've become numb to the concept of hell. Right now we're in the Halloween season and half the movies that are going into the theaters and being advertised on TV is about demons and witchcraft and casting people into hell and and place of torments and all this other stuff as scary as you can get. Can I tell you guys, Hollywood could not touch what's the reality of coming before people. Never. And I think a lot of those things are used to numb the minds of those that where when they see it on Friday night in a movie theater and then they come in here on Sunday morning, they're like, I'm bored with that. I, I've seen worse than that. I know Jesus was not using scare tactics. He was not trying to play on their emotions. Can I tell you guys, as my brothers and sisters this morning, and I hope that I am speaking to brothers and sisters, but here's the reality if you're not. It's real. It is appointed unto men once to die. And the Bible says after this is the judgment. I, I, I want to I, I explain hell. If, if you guys don't mind, I, I'd like to just for the few minutes, I, I want you to say, why was the urgency of Jesus running to the darkness? One of these times that he spoke on hell was in Luke 16, 19. And I know you guys are very familiar with this. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died And was buried. But notice how it says this. And in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments. The first thing he cried and said. Father Abraham have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. And cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Notice the wording of this. He died and lifted up his eyes in hell. The The whole thinking behind that that Christ was trying to get in. The moment he closed his eyes, the blink of an eye, he woke up in the torments of hell. There is no negotiating with God. There is no redo. There is no starting over. There is no begging for forgiveness. There is no casting yourself before the judge saying, I am sorry. Give me a second chance. I'll do better. All of that is gone. And our world is filled with redo, start over. I'll give you mercy and grace. The world is filled with mercy and grace, but not at this point. And here's the reason why. This ought to scare you to death. And I'll tell you, I, I've preached on hell many, many, many times. 
But Revelation chapter 20, verse 14, I'm going to read these words and I want you to get a concept that, uh, of understanding how. It's not what you're thinking. I, I, I'm going to explain. So most of the time there's, there's the, the fire of hell and there's all this. And don't get me wrong, there is all of those things. The Bible says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. Why in the world did the Bible use that terminology that death and hell was cast into the lake of fire? Just think about that. I'm going to read it again, verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Not transported, not removed, not all those things. And it says it was cast into the lake of fire. Let me read when Jesus was speaking, and he said the same thing in Matthew 13, 49. So it shall be at the end of the world, the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just. The word sever. Verse 50. And shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. The word sever and cast both means to throw, to release, to separate from. Why? Is the Bible using this terminology? Hell is the separation of man and humanity from all that we know about God. So, well, that's kind of obvious. Let me, let me explain this. I'm going to take the next five, ten minutes and explain this. In this world, you say, man, this is a godless world. Can I tell you guys, this is not a godless world? We've got, we've got to be careful to say this. There's a lot of godlessness in this world, but this is not a godless world. I can wake up in the morning, and a lost person can wake up in the morning and stand at the sunrise and go, wow, look at that. We can hold a newborn baby in our minds and be lost as can be and go, wow, look at this. We can stand up and laugh because of joy in our hearts. We can experience the mercy of God and the love of God and the grace of God that even lost people do every day of their life. They can do something wrong and have mercy. They can do something wrong and have grace. Grace and mercy are from God. They can have love from brothers and sisters, husband and wife, fathers and children, all of those things. Love is God. We say that all the time. Do you realize that all around us the world is screaming out or God is screaming out to the world that there is a God? From every rainbow to every sunset to every mountain sky to every time we see the ocean waves, all of that is screaming out that there is a God. And God says at that moment, you're about to enter a stage in your life that you'll never be able to change Released from God. Everything that we know about God is absent in hell. Let me explain this. Over and over again, even when God said, and He created the world, and He said, It is good. Man, lost sinners, live in the goodness of God every day. People will throw out the words and say, this is hell. My life is hell. No, it is not. You have no idea what that word means. God said, come unto me and I will give you rest. 
We often think of the physical pain of hell, but believe me, there's emotional pain in hell that is equal. In hell, there is no rest in hell. And Isaiah 57 verse 20, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. The absence of God is the absence of rest. And now I know right now you're sitting there going, are, are you serious? This, that's, that's how you're describing hell? Everything that we think of in our life has a beginning and an end. You have a bad day. There's the beginning of your day. I can't wait to get home and end this day. You go on a bad trip. You tell your wife, I can't wait to land in Ohio. I want to get off this. There, there's, a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel with everything that we have in this world. It's a matter of reaching a plateau when I don't have to anymore. There's a beginning and an end to everything that we know. There's a beginning to your day, a beginning to your week, a beginning to your year, a beginning to your job, a beginning of your life, a beginning to everything. What this is describing here over and over in Scripture is the fact that when you get to hell, there is never an end. You say, I I, I don't see the severity of this. That's because we don't know that concept of that. In Mark 9, 43, I take you once again to what was on the heart and mind of Jesus. He said, and if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter maimed than having two hands and to go into hell into fire that never shall be quenched. Where worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. If thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life having two feet and to be cast into hell than the fire that never shall be quenched. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. If thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God, having one eye than two eyes, to be cast into hell fire. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Do you see what God is saying? The moment you step into that torment... It is literally hell because it is literally no rest for the rest of your life. There is no ceasing. There is no closure. There is no starting over. And there is no end to the tragedy of your life. That worm that dieth not. I hate to be graphic here, but the worm is what comes in and eats the decayed. And the Bible says you are never over. Do you realize it introduces death by introducing the worm, but it says it dieth not because it's never consumed. There is no end. There is no rest in hell. There is no peace in hell. We know that Jesus is a peace that passes all understanding, and sometimes lost people have a glimpse of that here in this world. But the Bible says in Isaiah 57, 21, there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. See, to exist in a constant state of distress, to never feel relief. We talk about the physical side. I'm talking about the mental side of hell. To live in a constant state of regret. The rich man that woke up in hell, the first thing he did was cry out for Lazarus. He was mentally processing life here. You talk about no peace. The body will be destroyed, but his mind was fully functional. Can I tell you guys, those in hell will remember us. They will remember every message that was preached. They will remember every invitation. And they will remember the absence of every message you never told them. 
As Christ walked on the earth, all of his mind was this. I must work the work of him that sent me. I preach this today because we have hope. I preach this today because the night has not yet come. If we would get Christ lesson if, if, if he's saying and talking about everything that is to come and the urgency that he had to wake up and do something the world is fully aware of hell have you ever thought about that go in america and try to find someone that and just go up to him have you ever heard of hell what is it uh, a place where people go and burn forever that god throws them there okay go around ask people so the thing is if people truly believed in hell do you think that they would live their life different if they knew everything that we preached about, we talked about, do you think that their life would be different? Do you think that they would not just accept Christ, they would be screaming out to, to God for mercy? So I want to wrap this up. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, In whom the God of this world, I, I, I started in this passage, hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them. And here it is, those people that know hell, they're conscious of hell, they know about hell, and you say, what, what, what is the point of that? They don't see it as truth. So let me ask you, brothers and sisters, how in the world will we ever get them to see the truth? How will we ever here on this life with our voices and our energy and our life be able to scream loud enough, point enough, and live out enough to stop them before we get there. Well, the verse says it. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them. Here's the thing. We are in the image of Christ. We are the children of God. We have born into his family. We are the light of the world. We have the indwelling of the spirit of God. All the things that we have preached on for the last four weeks. Colossians 1.28, we talk about running to the darkness. Colossians 1.28, whom we preach, warning every man. Now listen to this. this. This is the activeness of our hearts and our minds. Warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Whereunto also I labor, striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. I gave the illustration of losing track of time at the beginning of this message. My goal in preaching this is to make us aware that we are losing time. We must reprioritize our lives. And it's not just a matter of, oh man, look at there's a reality of hell. Let, let me put it like this. How many of you know right now somebody that lives local that you know does not know Christ? Raise your hand. It's most of us. Let me ask you this. What will you do this week to make an impact on their life? Well, I don't know. I've, I've, I've got a pretty busy schedule. And to be honest, man, a lot of my schedule fills up. So we just do this. Have we gotten to the priority to where we would rather come to church over and over and over and over and over again to hear about God's goodness, but we're not willing to step out of here to show God's goodness? Do you know who did that? It was, they were called Pharisees. They got so wrapped up in religious practices that they forgot the principles and the purpose of why they were created. Guys, we can get so wrapped up in religious practices 
of coming and singing and sitting and praising and fellowshipping that we forget the purpose. Jen and I, I we, we were debating. My family, the Leozo family, is having a Christmas party. It's, it's December 5th. It's on a Saturday. And I was sitting there and I said, oh man, if we go, by the time it's over, we'd have to drive back. It'd be a really late night. You know, church the next day. Can I tell you that most of my Leozo family is lost I am justified not going because I'm too busy as a pastor to go. Can I tell you guys right now, just admitting, I'm worthless as a pastor if I'm not willing to go. This can be just a representation of a bunch of hypocrites if we don't do it and not just say it. That word striving, laboring together, you know what that is? It's going to take some effort. It is going to take work. It's going to take getting out of where you're at and being willing to go and do. Some of you right now, when you get that invitation to your lost loved one's birthday party, you say, well, honey, we've got a busy week and all this. You need to go. They will never experience the light unless the light is brought into their life. And some of you just need to simply get up and go make some things right with the loss that you have justified wrong actions, wrong attitude, and a bunch of division in your family that is going to lead them to the, the hell. Right. We have got to learn our priorities. The sun is setting right now. The sun is setting. And we are watching this happen before our eyes. And we turn back to the huddle and say, all right, guys, we need to have a good game this week. We need to do this. And the Lord's saying, will you quit huddling? That, that looks good, and that, that sounds great, and it looks like you've got it all together, but will you quit huddling and talking about it? There's a priority to this. Two, one, zero. 2,457 people went to hell during my message. It's all right, keep, let's kind of keep going. I think it's like 1.6. Will one of them be your neighbor? Will one of them be one of your kids? Will one of them be that guy that you wave at every day as you go to play golf but you've never stepped into his yard? Will one of them be that relative that you say, well, we fight every time we get together. Maybe you need to swallow your pride. We can't be the light to them unless we step into the darkness of their lives all of these things that we're trying to do and I hope these numbers just sit there just watch do you know why he said redeeming the time because the days are evil because if we don't take advantage of every opportunity that we have we're going to lose our opportunity because the bible says that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess One day we will all stand before God and I know I will not stand in judgment of God. You as a believer will not stand in judgment of God. You know why? My sins are paid for. I'm under the blood of Jesus Christ. You guys can keep watching the numbers. I'm all cool. That's the reason we did that. But those that do not have their sins covered by the blood of Jesus Christ will face that. Cast. Released. No peace, no love, no joy, no relationships. 
We talk about with God, we have a relationship. Without God, there is total loneliness. With God, we walk in the light. Without God, it is complete darkness. Everything that we know of God, they are cast and released from for all of eternity. With God, we have peace. For there, there is forever the acknowledgement of never having peace. In God, we have rest. We fall into the arms of Jesus. I cast all my care upon him, for I know he cares for me. And there, for all of eternity, they will never have rest in their minds or hearts. Why can we not be broken? Guys, hold me to it. I'm going to that Christmas party. I don't care if I have to drive all night. Let me tell you, I don't care if I have to miss Sunday and have somebody else to preach. Wake up. What do you live for? Why did Jesus come? Quit calling yourself Christian or Christ-like if we are not Christian and we are not Christ-like. And the world stands there off to the side and says... What a bunch of hypocrites. They gather in their huddles, and I never see them make a play. 